Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Wild, Messy, Infinite Love. It is I, Brother Snades, a.k.a. Eric Snader, coming at you with episode 22. Oh my gosh, it's been a while since I've been here in front of the microphone talking to you all. Um, so I suppose I should um, talk about that before we talk about what this episode is going to be about. So um, real quick, I have been taking the past month and a half or two off of podcasting, off of streaming, pretty much off of most of my creative endeavors, um, partly because it was really busy at work partly because I was going through some stuff. And I'll actually talk a little bit about it in this podcast as well. But essentially, uh, come mid-November, I sort of hit a wall. And I was just not in a very good mental or emotional state. Um, I was wrestling with this kind of low-grade bubbling depression. I was feeling burnt out. Um, I wasn't happy with where I was at, so I decided to go see a therapist and, um, I started seeing a psychiatrist and I'm getting lots and lots of help. Um, I was going through a very significant, um, I don't know how to say it. Uh, it was almost like a, a testing fire. Uh, that's not really the word I'm looking for. Um, I was going through an identity crisis kind of, but not necessarily like who I am as a person, but really a vocational identity crisis, what I want to do, what I want to be giving my energies towards. Um, and I wrestled a lot with that over the holiday break. I talked with Liz a ton about it. I talked with other family members a ton about it. Um, and I've kind of come to a bit of a resolution. Um, partly due to the conversations I had, partly due to my increased mental health, uh, my increased emotional health. Um, I'm on antidepressants right now, so I'm feeling the best mentally and emotionally I have been feeling in a very long time. Um, but essentially, I am doubling down on this whole podcasting thing, um, and I am going to be throwing as much of my energy into doing this as well as um, possibly going around and doing some speaking gigs in the general vicinity. Uh, so if you are interested in having me speak at your church or at your coffee shop or at a local business or at a local seminar or anything, um, please let me know. I am open to doing that. Um, feel free to shoot me an email or uh, message me on Instagram or however you're keeping in contact with me. Uh, but yeah, I am doubling down on this whole creative thing because that's what I want to do. That's where I feel spirit is leading me. And you all get to be here along for the ride. Um, and it is a fun, 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 fun ride. Uh, it's been a wild ride for me, that's for sure. It definitely feels like I have been through the ringer as far as figuring out what I want to do with my life. It has not been easy. Um, and you know, we're going to talk a little bit about what it means to follow spirit in this episode as well. Um, so it's a, it's a very timely episode. It's a very, uh, it's an episode that's very near and dear to my heart. 
in this present moment. Um, but it's also been an episode that I've been mulling over for the last three or four years. Um, one of the things that I realized over the holiday break is that I've been running from this. Um, I've been fearful of it. I've been unsure about my capabilities. So I've decided to look in different directions. I looked at seminary. I um, looked at different jobs. I looked at customer service. I am doing admissions counseling right now. And don't, don't get me wrong. I like my job quite a bit. I love the people I get to work with. Um, but ultimately, when I think down to what the core of who I am and what I'm supposed to be doing, it's doing this kind of stuff. It's creating, it's going around and speaking, it's writing, it's um, creating spaces where others can begin to explore the divine as it pertains to their own selves and how they relate to other people and how they relate to the planet around them. So that's what I'm going to do with the time and energy that I have. Uh, for right now, I'm hoping I'm able to come out with at least two or three podcasts a month. Um, if I can do it every single week, that is fantastically stupendous. Uh, but I do have a full-time job and it's hard to balance all of that while also spending time with family and traveling to Northern Virginia to see extended family, traveling up to Pennsylvania to see my family. Um, and then my work is going to be bananas busy over the spring. So I will do my very best to get out two to three podcasts a month. Um, hopefully, if I have time, I'll do more. But without further ado, that's a very long intro. And I don't want you guys to get too bored. So with that being said, let's get into episode number 22. You are here to kick ass and chew gum. And you are all out of gum. Let's talk about it. Oh, yeah, the episode is called You're Here to Kick Ass and Chew Gum and You're All Out of Gum. Um, that is not something that I came up with. That is actually a line from a particular video game character. As you know from my past couple episodes, I'm a big video game nerd. Um, this is not a game that I actually grew up playing, uh, but it's a video game ca character called Duke Nukem. Um, it's this old video game about this rough and tumble um, shooter guy um, sort of like Contra-esque anyway uh, so in college me and my friends had this video that we would watch quite a bit there would we would at least tune into it once or twice a year um, because we thought it was so funny and it was called Duke Nukem ventrilo harassment and essentially the video is someone uh, put together a soundboard of all these things that duke nukem would say in the games um and some of them were like blow it out your ass or eat shit and die and there was one um my personal favorite where he would say i'm here to kick ass and chew bubble gum and i'm all out of gum uh, <laughs> and essentially this video is this guy who's using the soundboard to troll people on the internet. Um, 
and it is super funny. I think it's funny. So if you want to go, it's still up on YouTube. I was actually watching it this morning. It was definitely a throwback. Um, but with that being said, <laughs> um, I really like the analogy of we're all here to kick ass and chew bubble gum. And the fact is we're running out of bubble gum. So we just got to go and kick some mother ass. Um, yes, I just bleeped myself. Um, and this is not a video to, uh, troll people. Um, sorry, video. This is not a podcast where it's meant to, um, propagate going out and trolling people. Uh, this is not that. So if that's something that you want to do, maybe turn this podcast off. But if you are interested in how, following spirit and living into your truest self is a form of going and kicking ass, then this is a video for you because ultimately this podcast is about self-realization. It's about diving deeper. It's about striving farther into who we are. It's about getting into the heart of what it means to be human. It's about following spirit. It's about tearing the whole thing apart sometimes. It's about creativity. It's about you. It's about me. It's about others. It's about all of us, friends, this podcast is about kicking ass and chewing gum, and we are all out of gum. So I know that that analogy is sort of up in this headspace, but I promise it's going to make sense by the time we get done with this fun little podcast. So um, a really interesting character uh, from history, from religion that I think emphasizes and uh, resembles this this mantra of kicking ass and chewing gum is the ancient prophet Moses. And, you know, Moses is not something that's just housed within my Christian um, upbringing. It's not something that's just found within Judaism either. Uh, there are a lot of different religions that would say Moses kicked some freaking ass, um, you know, Judaism reveres Moses, Christianity reveres Moses, Islam reveres Moses. There are a couple other religions out there that um, revere the ancient prophets, and Moses is one of them as well. And when it comes to uh, kicking ass, when it comes to following spirit, um, there are a couple different points in Moses's life, in Moses's story, that I really want to hit on. And um, those points are Moses has a specific set of experiences that prepares him for what is coming. Moses has a unique perspective. Um, third, Moses runs out of chewing gum. And fourth, Moses is provisioned by spirit. Um, so those are sort of the four points that we're going to be talking about uh, with Moses. But before we get into that, I suppose we should probably um, transmit some information about Moses, because some of you might be listening to this podcast and say, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about, Eric. And others of you might be listening to the podcast and say, fuck, if I know anything about Moses. Um, so I'm just going to go through... Uh, my own real quick summary of Moses's life. So essentially, Moses is the child of one of the Hebrew slaves in Egypt, and the Hebrews are enslaved to Pharaoh. Um, at the time, 
sort of the system or the social structure of the world basically said that the people who were in charge got to make the rules. Um, and the people in charge said, hey, the gods are okay with us owning slaves, so we're going to do that. And it just so happened that the Hebrews were enslaved to the Egyptians. Um, and Moses is born to one of these Hebrew slaves um, during this time when Pharaoh is afraid of Hebrew rebellion. So Pharaoh decides, I'm going to kill all of the baby boys under the age of two to pacify these slaves, to ensure that they don't rise up, because there's getting to be a lot of them, almost more than we have in our own numbers and in our own army. So this huge genocide, this huge murder spree is going on in Egypt while Moses is born, and his mother, fearing for his life, decides to put Moses into this basket and send him down the Nile River. And lo and behold, Moses is found by none other than Pharaoh's daughter, who at the time does not have any children. And so Pharaoh's daughter um, decides, you know what, this is going to be my son. I'm going to take care of this child. Um, And Moses's older sister had been following the basket to make sure that uh, nothing happened to the basket. Um, And she actually confronts Pharaoh's daughter and says, hey, low key, this is actually um, a Hebrew slave. Um, We're totally cool with you being the mom, but maybe it's a good idea for Moses to come back and spend a couple years um, to be basically wet nursed by his actual mom. Uh, So Moses goes back and spends a couple years in his childhood as um, being raised by his biological mother. And then he's sent to Pharaoh's palace where he is bred for leadership, where he is ingrained in this social system and this social social structure of the Egyptian pantheon, um, where basically Pharaoh is the mouthpiece of God. So Moses is essentially the son of the mouthpiece of God, right? No big deal. Uh, So as Moses grows up, uh, the Bible um, or the Hebrew scriptures kind of transport us from Uh, Moses as a child to all of a sudden Moses is an adult and Moses realizes that uh, not only is he descended from the Hebrew people, but he also realizes the injustice of slavery. And at one point he sees an Egyptian slave driver who is um, basically beating up on this Hebrew slave and Moses flips the fuck out. He flips his lid and he basically murders, he not basically, he literally murders this Egyptian slave driver. Um, and then he hightails it out of there because he's really fearful of his life. And so some time, some more time passes and Moses, um, we're transported to Moses being a shepherd with, um, with someone who is revealed as his father-in-law, Jethro. So Moses ran away from Egypt. He wandered through the wilderness. He um, got to a place called Midian and he got married and he ended up becoming a shepherd. And while he's shepherding for his father-in-law, Jethro, he has this really unique experience where um, he's encountered by a burning bush. And this burning bush starts talking to Moses and essentially says, hey, yo, bro, uh, there are some Hebrew slaves who are really wanting to get out of bondage and slavery over in Egypt, and I want you to be the one to go liberate them. And Moses essentially says, no, 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 no not me. I don't want to go back there. 
and eventually he is won over and he decides, you know, this is really what I need to do. So he goes back to Egypt. Um, he goes through a long uh, negotiation process with the current pharaoh, uh, and there's a bunch of plagues. Um, one side note, the plagues in this particular story, at least in my interpretation, um, they're not necessarily about literal things happening. I don't personally think that a benevolent, loving God would send fire down onto people or um, kill an entire nation's population of firstborn sons. Uh, I think it's more of a literary device to combat this God of the oppressed, this God of the Hebrew slaves, um, conquering the Egyptian pantheon. So one of the really cool things is if you look at the different plagues, they're actually all um, sort of directly confronting some sort of image or some sort of understanding of an Egyptian god or goddess. And the final plague, that one where all the firstborn sons die, is actually um, a confrontation between the god of the oppressed and Pharaoh, because Pharaoh is the one who initially went through and wanted to kill all of the Hebrew boys. And this God of the Israelites, this God of the Hebrew people, this God of the oppressed um, says, no, I am stronger than that. I am better than that. I am bigger than that. Um, so anyway, Moses eventually frees the Israelite people, the Hebrew slaves, and they run away. Uh, Pharaoh tries to chase them. They walk through the Red Sea. They go to Mount Sinai, they get some tablets called the Ten Commandments, um, and then they wander through the wilderness for a really freaking long time. And then eventually they get to the Promised Land, but before they get into the Promised Land, Moses dies. And that is my quick five-minute summary of Moses' life. Tell me how you think I did. <laughs> um, so anyway, getting back into this analogy of following spirit and kicking ass... Uh, there, there are those four points in Moses's life and Moses's story that I think really stand out um, that are impactful when encountering um, following spirit. So the first one is that uh, Moses has a specific experience that lends to what is to come. Essentially, Moses is bred for leadership. So he's raised in the house of Pharaoh. He's raised with the tutelage of eventually leading someday, maybe not becoming Pharaoh per se, but leading in some capacity as part of the royal family. So Moses receives this really detailed understanding of the system and how it works and uh, how the Hebrew slaves are pacified and all this other kind of stuff. And that is a really unique perspective for a Hebrew slave to have, because I guarantee you none of the other Hebrew slaves in Egypt were getting any sort of leadership training, were getting any sort of understanding of the way the system works or how society works or how to lead or how to feed people or how to govern people. Um, they were essentially enslaved. So they were doing all of this hard work for Pharaoh 24-7, and they were being oppressed. They were being pacified. They were... Um, not being given access to particular resources of leadership, of um, of warfare, of anything like that. So Moses, as a Hebrew, gains this really distinct leadership experience, which I can only 
summarize as saying that led to his ability in leading the Hebrew people, not just out of Egypt and liberation, but his governance and leadership of the people all throughout their trek from Egypt to Mount Sinai into the wilderness and then eventually to the promised land. Moses is uniquely situated to be able to handle that sort of role. Um, So that's the first point. The second point is that Moses holds a unique perspective. So not only does Moses hold this perspective of the Egyptian way of life, but Moses also holds this dual identity or this dual citizenship of being a Hebrew slave as well. So Moses is... I don't want to say predetermined, um, but Moses is very easily able to see the cry of the oppressed. He's very easily able to see what's going on with his people. He's very easily able to empathize. Um, He's very easily able to put himself in the shoes of these Hebrew slaves that are being oppressed because if it weren't for that specific set of circumstances that saw him move to Pharaoh's palace, he would have been in their exact same shoes. I guarantee you, I, I know for a fact that there were no other Egyptian leadership people who are saying, well, maybe this whole thing is probably not a good idea. Um, They were participating in the system that said, hey, the gods are okay with this, so we're just going to keep doing it uh, because we're bigger, better, and um, more divinely situated than you are. So Moses has um, this really unique perspective. He has this really unique view into what's actually going on, where he can actually see into both sides of the equation. Um, so these unique experiences and these unique perspectives, those are the first two points. Um, and remember those because we will be coming back to those, of course. Um, the third one is that Moses runs out of chewing gum. Um, So Moses is called into this role of leadership, um, and essentially what happens is his worldview, his understanding, um, his ability to hear this cry of the oppressed becomes so much, um, his worldview becomes so small that he can no longer live in that world anymore. He runs out of chewing gum. Chewing gum, in this sense, is this idea that our world is becoming too small, too congestive um, for us to be able to actually thrive without stagnation, without decay. So we need to break out. We need to break loose. Um, In this case, Moses's understanding of, well, this is just the way the system works, is becoming more and more fractured as he continues to hear the cry of the oppressed Israelites in bondage saying, please, please help us get out of this predicament. Help us find liberation. Help us find our way back to the promised land. And eventually it becomes so much to Moses that he can do nothing but turn and follow where spirit is leading him. That's what I'm talking about when I'm saying that Moses is running out of chewing gum. That's what I'm talking about when we're running out of chewing gum. Our world is becoming too small. It's becoming too fractured for the current way the system is built to exist anymore without us finding some 
form of action, some form of path forward. This is the hero's journey, folks. Um, so that's the third point. So Moses has unique experiences. He has unique perspectives. Uh, Moses runs out of chewing gum. He's aware of the fractures in his social system. And then fourth, Moses finds provision in spirit. Um, and I think this is one of the biggest ones for me. Um, this is one of the most impactful ones for me because a lot of the time following spirit involves some form of leap, some form of step forward into the unknown, especially if it's in a sort of situation where the way that you've seen the world is suddenly crumbling around you. If all of your structures, if all of these walls that have been built up around you are suddenly crumbling, you have no idea what's on the other side. You have no idea what's waiting on the other side. And there's a lot of fear and anxiety that surrounds that. I can speak to that 100% as I was talking about in the introduction to this podcast. There's a lot of fear and vulnerability and doubt that goes into following spirit because sometimes there are people in the world who are going to look at you differently. They're going to say you're crazy for giving up your full-time job so that you can go become a nonprofit organizer. Um, You're crazy for quitting your day job and becoming a communicator. You're crazy for dedicating all this time and resources into making a podcast uh, because ultimately no one's going to listen to it. There is a lot of fear and anxiety around following spirit. And in Moses's case, there's a lot of that fear and doubt seen as we'll talk about a little bit later, but Moses finds provision in spirit. Um, So one of the ways that this Hebrew Bible talks about it is these miracles that are coming from God. So we've got the 10 plagues that we talked about. We have the parting of the Red Sea where they were um, basically roadblocked. They were leaving Egypt and the Egyptians decided to follow them with their army. And they were caught between the Egyptian army and the sea. And all of a sudden a path opened up. They were provisioned a way out into liberation. Um, Another instance is going to Mount Sinai and receiving the Ten Commandments, um, building or reigniting this covenant with God that they had ancestrally put together with their ancestor, Abraham. Um, You have this provision of manna and water and quail while they're wandering around in the wilderness. Essentially, what happens is they make this covenant with God, and then right away they break their covenant with God, and the liberation is not automatic. It's not something where they're able to step directly into it. It's something that is almost like a slow burn, and they eventually end up wandering in the wilderness because, according to the Hebrew scriptures, they're not ready to accept the promise of the covenant with God. They're not ready to enter into the promised land. So they wander around the wilderness for 40 freaking years. Um, And in that time, even though they're wandering through the wilderness, even though they don't know what that next step is, there is manna that falls from heaven. There's water available to them, even though they're wandering through this arid wasteland at times. There's quail um, that comes to their camp, and they're able to um, use that for food and sustenance as well. So there's this 
spirit provision for them. Um, another one is the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud that follow them um, while they're wandering through the wilderness, while they're at Mount Sinai. Uh, it's this image of God being intimately present, the divine spirit being intimately present with this beloved community. So that's another spiritual or spirit provision because it's a guiding light for them. Um, there's also the eventual arrival into the promised land. Uh, that's a provision of spirit for them because they actually see the fruition of this covenant. And I guess one of the things that I would point out at this time is that provision is not something that always evokes joy or passion or ecstasy. Um, you know, the things that I've talked about are these miracles and that's great. Spirit absolutely does that. But there's also points in your life where you need to get to the point where you need that provision in order for that provision to actually have some sort of impact. Um, it's, it's that same idea of an interesting life is not a life where everything is handed to you. An interesting life is a life where you struggle and um, wrestle with what's going on around you. You wrestle with who you truly are. You wrestle with how you interact with other people. You wrestle with your place in this world. You wrestle with what it means to be human. Um, this is a fun little anecdote, but it's really interesting. I play a lot of FIFA and I play a lot of Madden on my Xbox. And one of the things that I've noticed, especially in the past couple years, is that when the game is too easy, when I'm just like strolling through um, soccer matches where I'm winning like 6 nothing every single game, I get bored. I get really freaking bored. When I am playing Madden and I'm winning like 50 to nothing in the third quarter, I get bored. I don't want to play the game anymore. There's not that... Um, there's not that skin in the game. There's not that struggle. There's not that um, excitement of um, the stakes being real and the stakes being high. And it's very similar to our own lives. Um, you know, we all experience doubt. We all experience frustration. Moses certainly did. Um, you know, he experienced anger um, when he killed the Egyptian slave master. He experienced frustration when he got down from Mount Sinai and he found the people that he was leading had already broken the covenant um, by making this golden calf and uh, starting to pray to idols. Um, there was frustration in the wilderness more often than not. There's these moments where Moses is like, why did you give me these stubborn people? Why? I just wish I could die right now. Um these are very real emotions and experiences that Moses is having as well. It's not all a bed of roses. Um, and when we follow spirit, like I said, sometimes it takes that um, step out into the unknown and there's going to be doubt. There's going to be fear. There's going to be struggle. There's going to be resistance. And that's part of following spirit. That's part of going out and being who you are truly meant to be. And when you are truly who you are meant to be, you are kicking ass. Um, one of the biggest pieces of Moses actually showing doubt is that experience at the burning bush. Um, 
So really at the heart of this entire narrative of who Moses is, is this this really pinnacle moment of him being up on a mountaintop searching for this lost sheep. And all of a sudden he encounters this burning bush and the spirit of this burning bush calls out to Moses and it says, go to my people and liberate them. And one of the really interesting things about this spirit is that it's this burning bush is intangible. So Moses can't feel the heat of the flames. He, when he puts his hand into it, his hand isn't burned. It's really undescribable. It's really ethereal. It's something that can't be touched, but it's there. It's something that is undeniable for Moses. And that's oftentimes what spirit is like for us. It's that undescribable moment where it's really hard to tell someone, this is what I'm feeling. It's really hard to tell someone, I just know that this is the next step for me. I feel it in my gut. I feel it in my bones. I feel the fire inside me. I feel the passion, but it's not something that can be measured. It's not something that can be seen necessarily. And yet, when we encounter where spirit is calling us, it's undeniable. Um, and how we respond to that spirit is also really important because Moses's automatic response was to say, well, I've got all these excuses why I can't do that. I can't talk well. Uh, no one will listen to me. I can't do it on my own. I have a stutter. Um, no one's going to take me seriously. I'm this guy. I'm the 1% to these people. I am their slave owner for a lot of these people. Um, I'm the vision of the status quo with Pharaoh. No one's going to take me seriously. No one's going to listen to me. There's so much doubt bubbling away in Moses. And in that moment, the burning bush responds by saying, you will find provision. Uh, The divine spirit says that I will be with you. Moses is told that his brother will also be with him. So he'll have a community of supportive individuals surrounding him as well. He's not going to be doing it on his own. Um, And ultimately the spirit says, this is something that's really important to do. And you cannot turn your back on this. And that's another really key piece to following spirit. Um, oftentimes we're not necessarily told explicitly what those support structures will be or what that provision will look like. But at the same time, when we follow spirit, it's something that tells us we cannot turn our back on this. For me in particular, I can't turn my back on these creative works that I'm doing. I can't turn my back on writing. I can't turn my back on going and helping people find a space where they can explore their own selves and where they can explore the divine and where they can explore how they interact with other people. I can't turn my back on that. And that's what spirit is like. It's something that confronts you and says, you can't turn your back on this. Your world isn't big enough to handle this. You have seen and you can't unsee. You've tasted and you can't untaste. So it's time for you to act because there's no going back to the way things used to be. That's oftentimes what spirit says to us. 
So it's one thing to be able to talk about this through the lens of Moses. It's one thing to be able to use the funny little catchphrase, we're here to kick ass and chew gum and we're all out of gum. But ultimately where this really matters is how it pertains to you. Because one of the beautiful things about these ancient texts, one of the beautiful things about analogies and metaphors is that even though they could be talking about something else, they can also at the same time be commuting communicating something about you as an individual, your community, and your world as well. And that is the exact same thing that's happening right here is we can look at the experience of Moses following spirit and start applying that to our own lives as well. So first, you have unique experiences, people. You have experiences under your belt that have prepared you for wherever your spirit is leading you. Um, I've been listening to a lot of Rob Bell recently, um, and one of the things that he says in his um, sort of communicator talk is, you are an expert of you. You're an expert to your own experience. There are things that you've undergone that put you in a very particular position to be able to excel at whatever it is spirit is leading you to do. Uh, Maybe you're someone who has experienced the rigors and the failures and the joys and the healing of something like a residential treatment facility. And you want to, you have that unique experience to be able to propel that, um, that area of the world further. You have the experience and the knowledge to be able to say, I can make this even better. I can take this a step forward. Um, I know I've talked about it on this podcast a lot, but a lot of the people that I worked with when I was working at a residential treatment facility were people who themselves had been in some form of residential treatment facility. Um, I know I've talked about this a lot too, but um, I have a lot, a lot, a lot of experiences in talking about theology, in encountering um, the voice of the other, all this kind of stuff. Um, And I have these experiences of growth, these experiences of pushing through into something new. Um, And that makes me want to share that with other people because I have seen the beauty of the growth that happens behind that. Friends, do not fall prey to the lie that you're not worthwhile or that you don't have the knowledge or the skill or the experience needed to make a difference. You don't need a PhD to go out into the world and make a difference. And that is not to say that you should just completely give up on education. You should just completely give up on pursuing learning and experiencing more. Of course, you should be always looking to learn and grow and experience more and more and more as you continue to, to expand. But in the meantime, you are an expert in you. You are an expert in your own experiences. And that means that whatever it is that you have to say or do matters and is impactful. So when you recognize your own unique experiences and how that fits into the broader spectrum of following spirit, you're kicking ass. Um, partnered with that unique experience is also the um, the fact that you have a unique perspective. Um, 
wherever it is you come from, whatever it is you've experienced, that's also given you a way that you view the world, a way that you view theology or religion or spirituality or the way that you view your relationships with other people, the way that you view politics, philosophy, all this kind of shaped stuff is shaped by your experiences and it creates a very unique perspective for you. Um, And that perspective is needed, friends. That perspective is desperately needed. One of the things that I have noticed, especially over the past couple years, um, just for instance, in our um, either religious or political sphere, we oftentimes find ourselves just funneling into these echo chambers where we're gathering with other people who are like-minded to us and we just continue saying the exact same thing over and over and over and over and over again. But friends, your unique perspective is desperately needed to break that cycle of the echo chamber and to break the stagnation that is happening because of that. I don't think anyone can look at America's political system and say, yeah, that's a healthy political system. It's not. It's really not. Um, so one of the one of the experiences that I've had with uh, my own unique perspective is, for instance, I really get quite a bit out of encountering different perspectives such as black liberation theology or womanist theology or feminist theology or LGBTQ plus theology. But here's the deal. I cannot personally write from any of those perspectives because that's not my background. That's not my experience. That's not my truth to tell. But with that being said, I do have the unique perspective of having grown from encountering that from that which is from the other or that which is from a different perspective than my own. And that is something that is vital for me to be able to share while I am not able to personally write what it is like to um, grow up as an LGBTQ member, I do have the ability and the perspective to say I have encountered this perspective. I have encountered members of the LGBTQ community. I have heard their stories and you know what? That has changed me and that is important. That's my unique perspective. In addition to that, I have the unique perspective of growing up in central Pennsylvania. I have the unique perspective of spending the last seven or eight years of my life dedicated to the study of religion and theology. Those are all unique perspectives that are humming around in me that impact what I do and how spirit is leading me. And the question that I have for you then is, what is your unique perspective? Because when you really hone in on that, when you really get a decent grasp, and don't get me wrong, that unique perspective is changing constantly. But when you have a grasp, when you're able to do that reflective work, friends, you're kicking ass. Um, The third point that I talked about is, where are you running out of chewing gum? Um, We talked about this a lot already, but where is the restlessness sitting, settling in for you? Where is your world shrinking to the point that it's too small to hold you anymore? What is the call of the oppressed that you are hearing and how much is too much before you absolutely must act? 
Where are you running out of chewing gum to the point where you cannot turn your back on it anymore? Where are you running out of chewing gum? Because friends, spirit is leading you into something new. Spirit is leading you into the truest sense of who you are. Spirit is leading you into continual expansion and growth. And that is kicking ass. And friends, yeah, we're supposed to chew bubble gum. Yeah, we're supposed to figure out the structures of the world around us. Yeah, we're supposed to figure out our unique perspectives and our experiences. But you know what? Those also crumble down as you experience new things and experience new perspectives and your world continues to grow. And that chewing gum, that bubble gum runs out and all that you are left with is expansion, is growth, is following spirit, is kicking ass. And finally, like I was saying in the fourth point, spirit will provision you. Uh, maybe you've been following spirit for a while and you could point to where provision was given you through, you know, connection, through a conversation with someone, through a really great event. Maybe you're an event organizer and you haven't been getting a lot of people. Um, you haven't been gaining a lot of traction. You're trying to raise funds for, um, I don't know, building a well in um, a place that doesn't have access to clean water. And all of a sudden you have an event where people flood to this event and you're given the money and the donations that you need to be able to build that well. That is provision. Um, maybe it's a breakthrough in your own work through working through your own interior, um, whatever it might be. That spirit provision is happening within you, especially when you're following where it's leading you. Um, and I, I mentioned this a little bit in my intro, but I'm going to dig a little deeper into this. Um, one of the ways in which spirit has provided for me is the support of my wife and my family. Um, so as I said, I really want to pursue this whole creating podcasting thing. I really want to pursue going out and speaking to people. I really want to pursue creating this sort of space for you, the listener and anyone else who wants to listen to what I have to say. Um, but like I said, recently I've really been struggling mentally and emotionally. Um, that's a huge reason why I ended up taking a break over the holidays. And my wife has supported me in continuing my work on my podcast, in continuing my endeavors to angle um, for a position that allows me to pursue creative creativity more fervently. Um, but more importantly, my wife has been a constant support in listening to me, in believing in me, in um, saying, no, if this is what you need to do, then this is what you need to do. Um, believe me when I say, I've been talking about this, I've been mulling about this, I've been running from this for the past three or four years, and I've had so, 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 so many conversations with my wife about it and my desire to become a creator full time and all this kind of stuff. And that is a very anxious kind of conversation because there's that moment where you say, this is what I want to do. And it might take a leap where I have to quit my job and take a part-time job or maybe not get a job at all. And my wife is someone who is very aware of her anxiety levels and her anxiety levels, um, especially when confronting fear or doubt or unknown tend to spike a little bit. 
Um, so I've had these conversations and there have been plenty of times where my wife has told me, you know, this is making me really anxious. But in the same moment, there's still a steady calmness to her. Um, there's an ability for her to just simply listen and be present with me. Um, you know, there's this ability for her to remain calm in the presence of my inner tumultuous emotional and mental state. Um, and it's proven to be a really steady rock for me to continue to come back to a really steady rock for me to know no matter what, there's someone here who's going to support me. There's someone here that's going to listen to me. There's someone here who is going to be with me every step of the way. Um, in addition, my wife supported me in actually going and getting uh, the mental help that I needed. So, um, she was one of my biggest advocates for going out and seeing a therapist and getting in touch with a psychiatrist. Um, she's actually the one who recommended me to the psychiatrist that I'm seeing. Um, and you know, I've, I'm happy to say that I've been seeing these individuals for two months. Um, like I said, I was diagnosed with sort of this low burning, low rumbling, um, depression. That's something that in all likelihood is something that I've been wrestling with my entire life. Um, but you know what? I'm getting help. I'm seeing a therapist. I am, I'm on antidepressants, which are helping immensely. And honestly, I'm in the healthiest mental and emotional state that I have ever been in right now. Um, and that's through the support of my wife. That's through the support of my family. Um, it's through the provision of spirit. Um, it's through the realization that, hey, I'm hitting a wall and I can't do this anymore and I need help. Um, it's spirit provision through the resources at my fingertips. So one of the neat things about having a full-time job is that I actually have health insurance that pays for my th therapy sessions. Um, and like I said, my wife and family have been so, so supportive. And like I said, this provision is not always explicit. Sometimes what it takes is just a shift in the way that you're viewing things. It's shifting to say, where is this gift? Where is this grace? Where is this forgiveness? Where is this bounty in the midst of depression or guilt or shame or the barren wilderness that we go through in our lives from time to time, time to time? Um, now, I do want to say, unfortunately, not everyone has access to these resources. Um, not everyone has access to a supportive family. Um, but that's why this whole idea of wild, messy, infinite love, that's the shared spirit of love that we have with those around us is so, so important because sometimes others are the provision of spirit for us. And sometimes we are the provision of spirit for others. It's not just about you taking the support of others, but it's also about you giving back that support 100 fold. So for instance, a year ago, my wife was in sort of a similar position to me where she felt a shift in her vocational calling. Her job was on the horizon. She was in a really unhealthy work environment. There was high anxiety. Um, there was a lot of 
doubt. There was a lot of guilt and shame that was going on there as well. But I was able to be there to listen to her, to support her, to encourage her to follow where her spirit was leading, which, as it happens to be, has now taken us to the wonderful town, city, uh, Fredericksburg, Virginia. But this provision of spirit is a give-take sort of relationship where sometimes, especially in a relationship like a marriage, sometimes um, the one spouse is really in need of support, is really in need of that provision, and sometimes it shifts where spouse number two really needs support and provision and spouse number one comes in and offers that support and it's almost like a pendulum that swings back and forth it's give and take um so i guess my point with that whole spirit provision be on the lookout for that grace that gift that provision in your own life but also be on the lookout for that grace, that gift, and the provision that you can be offering others. Because ultimately, your life isn't just about you. I know I talk a lot about being your true self, being who you are meant to be. But if who you are meant to be is just going to stop at you, what's the point? What's the point? If you're not going to be able to share your joy, your passion, your love with other people, you might as well just be putting yourself into a container and sealing yourself off from the rest of the world. You might as well just be living in Plato's cave. And my last point, since we talked about this with Moses, is that Following spirit and the provision of spirit does not suddenly take away your struggle or your doubts or your fears. And I know I talked about this a lot already, but sometimes following spirit is not necessarily just all joys and kittens and flowers and golden fields of joy. Sometimes following spirit takes us into the heart of our fears, into the heart of our doubts, into the heart of darkness. One of my favorite quotes comes from Alexander Alexander Shia where he says darkness is not where hope goes to die um, the deepest dark is where hope goes to be reborn in the midst of that darkness in the midst of that wrestling in the midst of that struggle something happens something some sort of catalyst activity happens, some sort of metamorphosis where we grow, where we expand, where our hope and our passions and our joys don't die like they should, but rather they're reborn with new fire and new light and new radiance. So sometimes following spirit is tough. Sometimes following spirit is filled with unknown corners and river bends that we have no idea what's coming up ahead. Sometimes following spirit is feeling like you're hitting a wall. I'll be honest when I say I really enjoy writing this podcast, but there are sometimes I'll write a podcast and I'll produce it and I'll look to see, oh man, only five downloads this week. And you know what? It feels like, oh, sorry. It feels like I'm hitting a wall. There's that doubt. There's that fear that's continually saying to me, does this really matter? Is what you're doing really something that matters? 
And of course, of course it does. If for nothing else, it provides me the opportunity to continue sharing my experiences with other people, no matter if it's one person or a thousand people, Um, because this is my passion. This is my drive. This is where spirit is leading me into. I feel it in my bones and I cannot turn my back on this. But yeah, there's doubts, there's fears, there's unknowing, there's all of it. Um, but don't, don't run. Don't run. I have been running for a while. And you know what? Running sucks and it doesn't solve the problem. So friends, your spirit is calling you to do something in the world. Maybe it's counseling or teaching or coaching. Maybe your spirit is calling you to stay at home and be a parent. Maybe spirit is telling you to be a good friend, someone who's a shoulder to cry on. Uh, Maybe spirit is calling you to become a doctor to cure cancer. Uh, Maybe your spirit is calling you to do something else in the world, become an athlete, uh, become an actor. I don't know. I don't know what your spirit is calling you to do. That's your work. Um, I think one of the best parts about the job that I have right now as an admissions counselor is the fact that I get to read these applications and I get to witness to these dreams and desires and passions of these high school students who are just starting out on their journey of following where their spirit is leading. And that is oftentimes so inspiring. But whatever your spirit is calling you to do, whether it requires you to encounter your own experiences or your unique perspectives or your realization that your world is shrinking and you're running out of chewing gum or whether you are in a spot of wilderness or bounty with the provision of spirit, wherever you are in that process, when you follow spirit, you are kicking ass and we need you to kick ass because you in all of your Eunice is a beautiful gift to the world and we all need it. So friends, go and kick some ass, especially when you run out of that chewing gum, when you run out of um, excuses and when your world just isn't big enough, go out and kick some ass and may you follow your spirit wherever it leads you. Peace and love, y'all.